It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. You're inside the flagship of the silver and black. As we count down to the Super Bowl, and we are brought to you by Resorts World. Scott Sabella's vision of sports at Resorts World comes right through this show with Doghouse Saloon for the NFL playoffs. Join us for the NFL playoffs at Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World, right on the strip. There's not a bad seat in Doghouse to watch the game. Plus, there's a sports book on site to place your bets, which I love. You don't have to chase all over it. It's right there. Incredible food and drink specials, followed by an amazing after party. Live entertainment, and a lot of times those great concerts in the theater, everybody comes out of there, and there's great entertainment right there at Doghouse. You'll love it. Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World Las Vegas, our official home for the NFL playoffs, and also download the Resorts World Las Vegas sports betting app to place your bets anywhere in Nevada. I'm at 8 Cigar Lounge all the time. I'm inside that property. Thanks to Scott Sabella and his team, his entire team, for what they do for our show. So second hour of the show here, Howard Balzer in a little bit uh, from Arizona. We are on our way to the Super Bowl. Q and I will be there. I'm assuming more members of our team. We're going to host Raiders Roundtable on the Tuesday and Thursday from Radio Row. And this will be my 25th Radio Row. So 25-year anniversary of going to Radio Row, which I love. We love to work and grind it out, and it's close to home. It's right there. My wife just did the drive yesterday. She drove my son, and my other son went for the ride all the way to ASU, dropped up my son, spent the night, drove all the way back, and that is the road to the Super Bowl this year as the game will be played in Glendale, home of the Cardinals. Phoenix will be Radio Row and all of our broadcast. Scottsdale, Tempe, it's a good Super Bowl location, but we get it next year. We get it in Vegas next year, and I can't wait for that. That's going to be special here. Josh McDaniels spoke yesterday. We were so buried we didn't get a chance to talk about everything, and I know that a lot of Raider fans want to talk about the coach, the former quarterback possibly, the current quarterback, and the quarterback of the future. So Josh McDaniels talked about Carr and what's happening at that position. Uh, I think, I think again, I think there's going to be some time here that we need to go back through everything that we've done. Um, and it's going to start with him, you know. And so we're going to look at, um, you know, the, the games we've played, um, our performance um, at every position, and try to, <clears throat> you know, just just look at it objectively now. I mean, now we're not getting ready for another opponent. We're not focused on a game plan. Uh, now we're just looking at, you know, what we've done. And, um, and at the end of the day, you know, we'll need to make some decisions about everything. You know, that position obviously is paramount, but, you know, it would be no different in any other position. You know, but it'll, it'll start with that. That's the process that we're getting ready to embark on. Um, we have not done that yet. Uh, we will. Uh, and it'll take us a little time, you know, because that's, it needs to be thorough and it needs to, it deserves time. That's what it deserves. And so um, there's a lot that will go into that. And before we make any final proclamations or decisions, um, 
there's a lot of people that are going to need to, you know, do some some evaluating here, watch a lot of tape, have a lot of discussions that are hopefully very fruitful, and uh, and then when we're ready to go, we'll move on. All right, that was a long answer. What does he mean there? Well, they're going to evaluate the position. I think we know that Derek Carr did not meet their evaluation enough to be back. That's what I'm assuming, but anything could happen. Derek Carr you know, wasn't at the last two games, but they have to make the decision on Derek Carr. We all believe they're looking for a trade partner, a dance partner, to get some value for Derek, rightfully so. They might. They might not. If they don't, either way, they don't have to pay that 40-plus million. So my philosophy on this number is this, and this goes for every team in the NFL. You do not spend $40 million on a position if you can't win at that position. With Derek, I've all, I was always led to believe you can win with Derek. You can win a Super Bowl with him. You could with Brad Johnson. You could with Jeff Hostetler. You look at other quarterbacks, Trent Dilfer. Derek could win a Super Bowl. But Derek had nine years here. Okay, and you look at his whole run here. So they don't believe they can't give Derek guaranteed money for next year if they don't think they can win with him. Now, that's split the Raider Nation. I just told you I think you can win with him, but I know you have a better chance if you get an elite quarterback. Now, if you get an elite quarterback in the first four or five picks, if you trade up or stay there, long-term, that pick better be better than Derek, who was taken in the second round. If you're going to take a pick in the top seven picks, he better be better. But how much time do you have to develop him? Or you can go over the top for Tom Brady or others. So that was a long answer. And again, I think the coach has been very honest with his answers, and the media has more than enough time to ask him follow-ups if they don't like the question in that building, and they're going to evaluate it. I thought that Derek this year, I want—I don't mean that, let me, let me frame this right. Regressing is the wrong word. I don't think that the play calls were aggressive enough for Derek at times. I don't think that Derek did a good enough job on his own. What I didn't like about Derek this year is either Derek was handcuffed where he didn't believe in his mind that he could change the play and he didn't change the play enough to the right play or Derek just stayed on one receiver instead of going through his progressions, but then you can blame the O-line for that. You can't blame Derek exclusively. How could you? The, the, the offensive line is not average. It's below average, and Derek has to deal with that. It's like driving a below-average car. You can drive it good if you got a professional race car driver behind it, but you're not going to drive it to its potential if the car's breaking down or the car's not that good to begin with. And I apologize for the car pun, but to give you an example of that. So for Derek, the thing that I believe, if he isn't here, if he isn't here and it looks like he's not, I think the number one reason will be his lack of mobility, which I give him credit for. I say he has it. So he can never come to me on the golf course and say, hey, dude, you're on the radio saying I don't, I'm not mobile. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. I'm the guy on the radio saying he has mobility. He doesn't use it. I'm the guy on the radio saying he's great at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't get to the line of scrimmage fast enough, and the play doesn't come out in time quick enough. So I'm pro Derek on all that, but it didn't happen this year. And Devontae had a somewhat career year. And they ran the ball a lot because Josh Jacobs, who they weren't sure of, they were not sure of Josh. They were not. They gave Josh Jacobs the ball, and he started running like Marcus Allen. And then the game plan changed where all of a sudden you're having meetings. You're going into game after game. You're going, oh, wait a second. I thought Derek would have to win this game with Devontae. We got the leading rusher. Let's split our game plan now, give a little bit more rushing. So that's the quarterback conversation. Coach McDaniels talked about future conversations with Derek going forward. 
Sure. You know, I mean, I, we talked about that when we had that conversation on Wednesday, you know, before the San Francisco game, that, you know, that there's going to be a time and a place to have a conversation or multiple conversations at the end that need to be had. Again, we've had a great relationship. He's done a lot of great things, and, and anything uh, that's said otherwise is incorrect. So um, we'll look forward to that. And like I said, that's, you know, there'll be some time between now and then. Yeah, so there'll be some time between now and then. And then my big question is, what do you do with this coaching staff? The head coach is going to be here, and I believe, even though a lot of fans don't want him to be here, I believe he has a plan, and he's going to be here, and I'm wishing that the plan comes comes into play this year, and it's better. Well, what about other coaches? Does that mean they'll all be back? Uh, well, obviously, Mo Drayton will be leaving to take over at the Citadel, so that'll be one. Um, but um, we'll look at everything. Um, again, I think those guys have worked really hard and done everything uh, that they could do uh, to try to help put our team in position to win. Um, you know, I think they deserve um, an opportunity to – we were going to evaluate our own performance um, for sure, and that's that's every year, you know. So um, I'm, I'm definitely not ready at this point to say anything uh, other than I'm thankful for, for all that they did for us to try to help us win and give us a chance. So um, we'll look at that, obviously, as we go forward. I'm a Rob Ryan guy with his pedigree, his father, his championships. I know Rob personally. I like Rob Ryan a lot. And Patrick Graham, if he's going to be back, I would hope there'd be some coaching changes. I would say that to Dave Ziegler or the coach's face. I think if you're going to make – got to make some changes on defense. You've got to get better on defense. You can't have these grades and these rankings – without bringing in a couple of new eyes, a couple of new people. It could be a defensive back coach, could be a linebacker coach, whatever it is. Okay, They're all under contract. I don't get involved with anybody's money. I stay away from that topic, but I think there'll be some changes there. And then interesting question here, I think Q asked it, about being the play caller and the head coach in a league now where there's a lot of head coaches relinquishing the play calling. It's a great challenge. It's also um, very rewarding. Um, you know, you, you try to, you know, maintain the, the culture, the vibe in the building day to day, uh, our attitude, our mindset, and try to be just a productive leader every day. Um, and it's not just solely focused on offensive plays or, you know, offensive production, uh, as, as obviously my career has centered around mostly. Um, and so it's so one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, you know, is because I think it's an opportunity to challenge yourself and it's an opportunity to grow as an individual. Um, I certainly don't have all the answers. I leaned on a lot of people this year. I'll continue to do that. Um, I have a lot of people that influence, you know, the things that I do on a day to day basis. And, um, those people are very vital to me and to our organization. So, um, you know, it's definitely a different perspective. You know, you have to divide and conquer, um, you have to trust other people, which I think I've tried to do a really good job of giving people responsibility and then trying to be there if I can to help them in any way that I can do. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, really leading and, and making sure that we're trying to do the right things day to day as a football team, not just as an offense, is really where, where it starts. So he's a play caller, and he will walk away from this game at any point years from now and there will never be a play caller that has six Super Bowl rings. Do we all get that? Raider fans don't want to hear that with me in the parking lot as I'm hanging with Joe, having my carne asada. If they're, if they're yelling about the coach, and I go, yeah, I, again, yell at me. I'll take the heat for it, but he's got six rings in his safe. So he's kind of got you beat on that conversation, even though you don't like him and you don't like the record this year. So he is an elite play caller. This year he had the leading rusher. Devontae had records. 
But overall, I don't think everybody was on the same page. There was a quarterback move. The roster deconstructed. The offensive line not very good. I would hope that Josh McDaniels, and I'm hoping, becomes a better play caller as a head coach next year. I hope he's more risk-adverse. I hope the plays are faster coming in and out from upstairs to him, and they go faster. And I hope that it's a more aggressive play call sheet. And you saw that with Jared Stidham. It only took one game to see the quarterback sprint outside the pocket and do all that in one game. So I don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. If it's Tom Brady, Tom Brady's not going to be sprinting out of the pocket. Ball's just going to come out quick. If it's Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers would be pretty unique with his style. It could be Jared Stidham or it could be a bridge quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. And we're going to find out about that when they let us know. And the last one on the culture. Fortunately, the players, Max Crosby has a big role in this, Devontae. Derek, when he was on the record, I don't know what Derek's going to say now to his brother or whatever, and Derek has the right to say whatever he wants. But the locker room was pretty tight. There were a couple of times where they lost games and they were chippy in the locker room because the media comes in 15 minutes after they lose and blow a double-digit lead. But the culture overall with the leaders on this team liking what they're seeing and what they can do going forward is something that Josh McDaniels has got to be excited about and build on because he was brought in for his philosophy and what he wants to do with his style of play. So culture is a big word as we see in sports now. Everybody wants to know what's the culture like in the building. Mostly there's people who are bosses and people that work for the bosses. If you want to keep your job, you get in line and you listen to the boss, the coach, and the culture is usually pretty good. The culture usually falls apart when no one's happy and the team gets torn apart. And I don't see that here as he's talked about the culture at this last press conference when asked about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that those guys, again, you you have to have a vision for what you want it to look like and how you want to play. Um, but I thought that, you know, uh, the, the big key for us is we were honest and, and we communicated, you know, from the very beginning kind of what we were looking for and what the expectations were. And I thought our, our leaders, uh, our captains in specific, did a tremendous job of really upholding those things uh, and trying to to bring everybody else along with them, you know. And there's always a new uh, element to it when you change, you know, and so – we changed last year, you know, we were new. And so hopefully as we go into this second season, there's going to be a lot less new um, in terms of, you know, what the expectation is, what the standard is, you know, how we run our operation day to day. Uh, we know there's going to be changes and adjustments to staff at players, et cetera. That's every team every year. Um, no team is the same from one year to the next. So that part's going to be uh, what it is. But I think in terms of the mindset, uh, what we're looking for, how we work, um, you know, how we go about trying to do our business day to day. I think that will be uh, more of the same for them. But uh, very pleased with the way that the guys um, acclimated to our vision and our philosophies. Um, and now hopefully we can take it to another level as we as we look to improve. Yeah, that's a big message from his final press conference of the regular season. They're going to try to take this to the next level. They didn't this year. They did not. They know the record. And they're going to try to make it better in the offseason. they got a lot of work to do. That's as honest as I can be. It wasn't good enough. They only had six wins. They blew a lot of games they should have won. It's everybody's fault from the top down. And everybody has to get better. And there's going to be a new team coming in. Did I check that off, Raider fans? Or do you want me to bring some kerosene and a pitchfork to Legion Stadium to make it more aggressive for you? That's me. 
think I told you everything as much as anybody in any other show said. Wasn't good enough. It's got to be much better next year, and hopefully these guys fix it. Robert in Portland. Thanks for waiting. Robert, go ahead. Yeah, JT, I think that the number one thing you've got to remember is <clears throat> they had 26 picks since 2015 when you go from the third round to the first round. That's 26 picks they had. Only three guys are left that start of those 26 guys. I think that's the biggie that everybody has to remember. I admit Carr struggled this year like you just referenced. But the biggest problem is, uh, I hate to say it, and I like Gruden from the days in, at Ricky's. I just, he failed. Uh, you know, he and Mayock, they had Crosby. But, JT, you have to build your, look at the look at the reason the Raiders didn't beat Pittsburgh was because their defense, Pittsburgh's defense, if, if Carr had had that defense, JT, they would have rolled. I mm-hmm. think this year, it, you just it, you just can't win without having success in your drafts. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And you'll also appreciate your call. Thank you very much. And for Coach Gruden, remember, who got Josh Jacobs in here? Coach Gruden. Okay, who got Max Crosby in here? Coach Gruden. So there was some good players that came in here, but not enough at the level. The first-round picks were really disappointing, very disappointing. The Ruggs thing... The Ruggs thing is beyond, beyond talking about. I mean, we've talked about what happened to Ruggs. That was developing into a very good pick. He was developing into an elite, soon-to-be elite, deep, deep threat, different than Devontae. You imagine Ruggs and Devontae together? Oh, my God. Oh, forget about Mac Hollins and whoever you want. Just imagine Ruggs and Devontae, and maybe you don't have Devontae if Ruggs is still here. And that's a sad chapter not in the history of only the Raiders, but in the history of Las Vegas, is Ruggs. And Damon Arnett was a disaster. Just a bad guy. They got that one wrong. You could use the backdrop of COVID, not being able to sit down and all that. You can use excuses. That was an awful pick. And then a bunch of guys they reached for, and I hope that Alex Leatherwood and Jonathan Abram do okay. Why wouldn't I want them to? Good guys. They didn't do anything wrong. They just didn't play to the ability of the draft where they were selected. So there are a lot of picks, man. If the Raiders had four of those guys and not the personal baggage and they played, or if they didn't have those four guys, they had four other first-round picks that turned out to be on rosters or the Raider roster, it's a completely different team. We all know that, and that's that's what's hard to deal with. Uh, Bledsoe in Vegas right here on 920. Thanks for waiting. Hey, uh, JT, you know, we had a great team, and it was almost like it was scripted. You know, if Carr just plays average, if he just gets out of the pocket a little bit, we're going to win 10 games, mm-hmm. and we're going to uh, go into the playoffs, and they still uh, they know in the back of their heads that, damn, he's not good enough to win the Super Bowl. So it's almost like it was scripted. Man, those six games we won, we should have lost. You couldn't have played him any more stupid. You know, maybe we just wanted Devontae. We knew what it is. It is what it is. We end up with Rodgers or Brady. Two-year plan, win the Super Bowl, but we got to get those defenders back. Diablo, mm-hmm. Paramount, whoever that dude was, we were loaded on defense. I don't know. I, I don't know. Your phone's breaking up. I don't know if we'd, I'd say we're loaded on defense. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think this defense was loaded at all. You know, someone outside the building brought this to my attention. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler wanted this job because it was a tandem GM head coach in a storied franchise in a great new market with a new stadium and a new facility. Do you all get that? This is why they wanted this job. 
in the history of the Raiders. So they take it with all the views that they had from Belichick and the success of Robert Kraft, and they said, we can take that. We know what it is. We know the secret sauce. And other people will say, well, the secret sauce is Brady. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on that. But they knew the culture and what they needed to do in the scouting department to bring it here. And they have. And they brought it to the best of their ability. I think they would have took the job with or without Derek Carr. That's my opinion. If you want a great conspiracy theory to have a cigar over, if, if, if Derek Carr's here, they take the job. If Derek Carr's not here, it would have been a better scenario for them maybe in the long term because Derek Carr didn't make it to the end of their first year. And they're definitely bringing in another quarterback, which might have been their agenda unless Carr blew him away. And I think there were days that Derek probably, and I know this because they told me this on the record, in interviews where there were days where Derek was just fantastic. Most of the time, showing up early, leaving late, great practices, leader in the locker room. But what they saw with him, and we'll find out afterwards, after the Super Bowl, probably wasn't good enough. And it wasn't good enough for a lot of other coaches here too, and Derek was very good. So you're dealing with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. They'd like to get someone as good as those guys. Good luck. You're not going to find it in the draft unless you get Bryce Harper or C.J. Stroud. You're not going to get it unless you get Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you're going to get anywhere near as close to Justin Herbert. And Patrick Mahomes with Jared Stidham could be wrong. He could develop into a great player in this league. It's a quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. What do we say about real estate? Location, location, location. Just start saying that. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. That's what we have to deal with. That's what we're going to be talking about for most of the offseason, I would assume here. At least I will. And we're waiting for clues on when and how to talk about it. And we have to be patient for that. Instead of me coming in every day going, let's open up every phone line on who's going to be the next quarterback. No way. Don't want to do that. I want to wait till we get close. And then it gets really good and we have information to talk about. We're brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Charles has a legend. He's got a Heisman. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Available now in more than 70 Las Vegas grocery stores and fine liquor stores. Man, how that brand is blowing up. And we like to think we're a part of it because we talk about it inside the Raider Nation on their flagship. Woodson Whiskey, the official whiskey of the JT The Brick Show and Raider Nation Radio. When we come back, my good friend Howard Balzer, who got a start here at Sports Fan Radio Network in Vegas. Man, what went down yesterday in Arizona? They blow out the head coach. The GM resigns. Woo! That's a friend. And the ownership. Howard Balzer wrote a column about the old school owners, which is this family, the Bidwills, going back to St. Louis and some of the problems they have. We'll talk to him next. There's only one way to experience playoff football, and that's to go through it. And unfortunately, we, we didn't you know, play our best game, and, and I thought L.A. played a great game, had a great plan, and, and outplayed us and outcoached us. Um, but I think you just got to go through these moments and learn from it and grow from it and use it as motivation. That's Cliff Kingsbury, who got let go. We'll get to Howard Balzer joining us here in a second. I want to thank Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. He just texted me, nice enough to do this. He didn't have to, that the line moved. In Baltimore, Cincinnati. So when he called in for our conversation, the line was Cincinnati minus six and a half. Now it's seven. 
as we're finding out that Lamar Jackson, is, they're going to try to go. And some people think that means he's not going to go. So the line moved. So Cincinnati minus seven. So if you were playing this game right now on the Baltimore side here, this is where you play Baltimore. Getting seven points instead of six and a half. That extra half means a lot if you're playing the Baltimore side. All right, we got him. Howard Balzer, the Hall of Fame voter, NFL radio. Started here in Vegas with me on Sports Fan Radio Network. And he is kind enough to join us on Raider Nation Radio. Howard, good to talk to you. I'll get right to your expertise on the Cardinals from yesterday. What's happening from an organizational standpoint from the top down? Let's start with ownership. Well, you know, Michael Bidwell made the decision to fire head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Of course, the departure of general manager Steve Kime was expected uh, after the uh, he stepped away from the organization several weeks ago because of health issues. So he stepped away. But the firing at Kingsbury, on one level, is not surprising. The Cardinals were 4-13. and 13. But what the Bidwells have done, his father, Bill, who was the guy who managed the team for many, many years, and now Michael, they have this pattern of having coaches who show some progress after being hired, and then when they have a step back, they then fire the guy. And it happened with Don Coriel. It happened with Jim Hannafin. It happened with Ken Wisenhunt. And really, JT, when you look at it, this is a franchise that's been around since the start of the NFL in 1920. So there's 103 seasons of football. And they've had 40 head coaches. And they've had seven head coaches this this century, since 2000. That's seven coaches in 24 seasons. They've never had a coach who's lasted more than six seasons. And there's only two guys that did that. And Cliff Kingsbury is only the eighth coach to have lasted four or five seasons. So they have this history of it. And he didn't explain himself, I don't think, very well because he talked about bad breaks we had, you know, an accumulation of injuries. But it was just time for a change. And so (laughs) it's, you know, I I mean, I've never seen anything happen to a team like what happened to the Cardinals this year, not only during the season, in the offseason. One example, JT, is in, in Sunday's season finale against the 49ers, they were playing 15 backups, several mm-hmm. of them that weren't even with the team in training camp, 15 backups. And Bidwell mentioned the whole next man up thing that everybody says, and you've, you've just got to have the players you have perform better. But there's a reason te- guys are backups. And this team lost an amazing number of starters throughout the season. And I believe that contributed tremendously to uh, the way the season went and that they only won four games. Howard Balzer, NFL Radio Hall of Fame voter, joins us, covers the Cardinals. So tell me about Steve Kime. We hope he's well. We know there's some health issues there. And, you know, there's talk about certain guys. We're seeing it with Sean McVay with the Rams. He's looking at the situation. It seems like the lifestyle would be easier to step away. I don't know the health issues of Steve Kime. Could he come back in to a big role like this as a GM again, or is he a part of the problem here? Because I hope he's healthy, and I hope he gets his life back on track. What are you hearing? No, that's the key. I mean, no one has – there hasn't been anything said publicly about what the Mm -hmm. health issues are. There's been a lot of speculation, uh, but that's kind of – you know, I don't know that speculation should be put out there. But, yeah, that's what you hope that whatever the health issues are is that he can get them under control. Does he come back 
at some point in the league or whatever. Who knows? I mean, who knows what the future holds? But obviously, there's things going on in, in his in his life and uh, with his health, with his personal life that mm-hmm. uh, he he felt this was the time, you know, to move to move on. And you know, I, I think I think JT that over the years he's done a credible job with the team. Yes, he's had misses in the draft, just like every uh, GM does. I think that it's been portrayed a lot worse than it really is. And, and a lot of local people, you know, they get on there in the shows and they just, you know, shoot people down. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, this really wasn't a Cliff Kingsbury issue. It was, a, it was a, a Steve Kime issue because he didn't plan for depth on the roster. Well, you know what? How can you plan for depth when you have that many players missing? And a lot of the depth pieces that they signed were also injured. So it was just one of those perfect storms of seasons where for, for a good stretch of the year, they were playing with one starter on the offensive line. And overall, for the entire season, they had two players, two on the entire roster, on the starting log of, uh, of players, two players that started all 17 games. I know the Eagles, I looked at them about a month ago. At that point, they had 13 or 14 guys that had started every game. At that point, the Cardinals had six or seven. So, Look at the teams that are winning, and most of the time they are, they are teams that have been able to avoid an onslaught of major injuries, and that's just the reality of the National Football League. But some don't want to recognize it. Some don't want to acknowledge it. You hear people say, well, injuries are ex- an excuse. No, mm-hmm. it's an explanation. It's not an excuse. And, you know, the Cardinals had a stretch here at the end of the year where they were still competing hard and playing, you know, competitive games. They started a different quarterback for four weeks in a row. I mean, how many teams does that happen to? It, like I said, it's just been one of those years where it just seemed like every single day something negative happened with an injury or an off-the-field issue or whatever it might be. Howard Balls, our NFL insider, also covers the Cardinals. So after signing that mega contract extension this past offseason, does it make sense for the Cardinals to allow Kyler Murray to have input into the next head coach? No, I don't think so. I mean, Michael Bidwell said at a press conference today that he's going to talk to the team leaders and all that. But, you know, these guys might know of a coach here and a coach there, you know, around the league that they think might be head coaching material. And I do think that Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph uh, will be considered. I don't know if he'll get the job, but I'm sure that he'll, he'll ask people, but I mean, I, I don't know what, what that, you know, what, what, what that truly gains. I mean, Kyler Murray would probably say, oh, go hire Lincoln Riley away from Southern Gal. <laughs> but uh, who, who, knows, who knows what he would say. But, yeah, I, I don't know that players should have much input at all in what a team does when they, when they hire a, a head coach. And, you know, the one thing I always say is this, JT, hot, whether it's the draft, whether it's a coach, whether it's a GM, especially when you're hiring, hiring guys who haven't done it before, it's a crapshoot. It's a total crapshoot. And I'll tell you one thing, I'll look back in time. You were talking about me going back in time earlier. You know, Steve Mariucci was a pretty successful head coach in his day at, with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great, but they had some pretty good success. He mo- they, they moved on from him, and when that happened, uh, Matt Millen, who was the general manager of the Lions, then said, oh, this is the guy I want. You know, he's experienced. He'll, be, he'll do wonders for us. And he bombed out. Now, was that his fault? Was it the players they got for him? There's so many factors that go into it. And, and again, it just shows how this game can eat you up. You were, you were talking about that mm-hmm. with Sean McVay. And 
it's just a hard it's a, it's hard to win a game in the NFL. But I use the I use the example of the Rams all season. You know, when I would write my stuff, I wouldn't just talk about the Cardinals having injuries. I talk about a team like the Rams. I mean, here's a team that won the Super Bowl last year with a coach a coach universally acclaimed as one of the best in the league and the, one of the most creative offensive minds. And I'll tell you something, you look at the numbers, the Cardinals offense, was, uh, the Rams offense was mm-hmm. actually worse than the Cardinals this season. And they managed to win one more game. So that just shows what can happen when so many things, you know, occur. There's been people here, JT, you know, they, they talk about, well, the Cardinals need an alpha male as the head coach, right? Like, you know, one of those fire and brimstone head coaches, you know, like Zach Taylor is an alpha male or, you know, whoever you want to, you want to mention Mike Grable. I think some people would probably consider an alpha male, right? Well, what happened to the Titans this year? They were seven and three and in total control of the AFC South when injuries just decimated their defense and they're playing the, the last couple of games. They played with their quarterback that had just been mm-hmm. signed a couple of weeks before and they lost their last seven games and aren't in the postseason. Is that Mike Grable's fault? I don't think so. I don't think you all of a sudden become yeah. a bad coach in the NFL. But bad things can happen sometimes to teams, and it's very, very difficult to overcome that, no matter how many times you hear that ridiculous phrase, next man up, or it's an excuse or any of those things. No, it's reality, mm-hmm. and the healthiest teams are normally the ones that, uh, that do well. And the one, one last example I'll give, is the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against the Buccaneers. I mean, here's one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the best coaches, one of the best quarterbacks, and they were playing without their two starting tackles in that game against Tampa Bay. And Patrick Mahomes was running for his life in the entire game, and the Chiefs scored nine points in that Super Bowl loss. So those are the things that can happen to great coaches and great teams when they're not playing with some of their best players. Howard Balzer, Howard, we have less than two minutes to go, and the big business question of the day is the memo a couple of weeks ago about $800 million being paid to fire executive, fired executives and coaches who aren't working. We find Lovey Smith gets let go, and as I tweeted out when I saw this with Lovey, his record as a head coach at the University of Illinois was 17-39. and 39. That's a 304 winning percentage, and right before that as the head coach at Tampa Bay, he was 8-24. and 24. At the Texans, he was three thirteen and one, and he's getting sixteen point five million to walk away. It's not like we're kicking Lovey to the curb. He got a four-year, no. twenty-two million dollar deal, so he's getting a lot of money. Is it fair to fire Lovey on a bad team after one year? I, I don't think so. I mean, you you raise a good point that he didn't have a tremendous amount of success before that, but a lot of those teams, he just wasn't given a whole lot of good players. And so one and done, I think, is a scourge to a degree in the NFL, mm-hmm. and the Texans have now done that two years in a row. But you talk about throwing money out the window. The Cardinals gave Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kine, yeah. for that matter. We don't know what the contract settlements are going to be and how much true guaranteed money was in there. But Michael Bidwell, the owner who makes the decisions, gave them both contract extensions after last season through 2027. And now he's yeah, going to pay big. whatever money he has to pay. But these owners don't care. I mean, uh, to a, to a degree about that, they're they're ready to eat, you know, eat money when they say it's time for a change. Well, as I wrote in my article, as you probably wrote, they've said that an awful long for a lot of years in Arizona, 
And so I just wonder if anybody has any faith that he'll make the right decisions going forward, where, where in a couple, three years, they're going to be saying again, well, it's time to make a change. This one didn't work yeah. either. Thank you, Howard. Always good to talk to you. Always appreciate your time, my friend. My pleasure, JT. Take care. You too. Howard Balzer, good to have him. You know, a lot of times I don't want to take content like that and compare it to the writers, but I will on this point. I've been watching Hard Knocks the second half of the year. My wife and I watch. We're one episode behind, so we watched the J.J. Watt retirement episode last night. Complete chaos in that organization. Now, we live in a bubble here with the Raiders. I try to live outside the bubble, too. You look at covering the Arizona Cardinals this year. Imagine if they didn't beat the Raiders. They were down 20 to nothing, and they beat us here for the home opener. That kills me, that game. And that was a good moment for Arizona. Maybe the worst one for the Raiders. J.J. Watt retirement, Steve Kime stepping aside, head coach getting fired, ownership issues. They had a lot of problems, man. They've had a lot of problems. Their offensive line coaches, behavior in Mexico City, he was fired. You just think of your team, Aaron Rodgers. I got a buddy of mine who's on the radio in Green Bay. I text him every two or three days. Following the Aaron Rodgers story is they don't make the playoffs. There are other teams going through adversity We just saw a lot of adversity this year with win-loss. Not a lot of adversity with injuries. There was a few and some other issues out there. Derek Carr at the end brought a bunch of eyeballs into this. But y'all get judged. A lot of problems go away, man, when you make the playoffs. Look at the Jaguars this year. The Jaguars. Look at Detroit. One and six. One and six, and they end up nine and eight. They, They pivoted and turned that around. Last call to get in if you want to get in today, this hour. I know there are people out there who are listening, the rain in San Diego, L.A., and San Francisco now. I'm getting videos from buddies. Wow. And that usually comes this way at some point. And weather's a big deal. If you're on the road, be safe. The DeCastaverde Law Group, Alex DeCastaverde, 702-222-9999. Perfect time for me to tell you about the DeCastaverde Law Group. On these roads, 15-215 on the strip, you get in an accident, you need someone you can trust. La Familia, from their great father, to Alex's brother Orlando, they will help you quickly, and they will help you win. 702-222-9999. The DeCastaverde Law Group, proud partner here on Raider Nation Radio. Raiders Beat. Appreciate Raiders Beat taking my content of my show and tweeting it out there. I got no problem if you clip my show and take what I said. Not think what I said. Take the quotes. The Raiders are trying to construct the Patriot Way in Vegas. From JT the Brick. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go read this and be right back. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Run, run as fast as you can. You're not catching Hines. He's your end zone man. Buffalo on the board with the first play from scrimmage. That is an incredible play. Might go down as the play of the year because of DeMar Hamlin needing CPR to live. The other play of the year is Chandler Jones. This is around the entire league. Chandler Jones in the lateral for the Raiders beating the Patriots. If you look at the top two to three plays of the year, that's one in Buffalo. 
because it was the first play for Buffalo after DeMar Hamlin and what happened with Chandler Jones, and they go through all of that. So there's a lot of changes going on right now, and in Washington, the Commanders, Ron Rivera's putting out a statement here on what they're doing with some of their coaches there. Yeah, I look, I look at what's going to be available here in a couple of days. There are going to be coaches available from other staffs where head coaches had to let go of good coaches. Now, you would think those coaches are let go because they're failures. They're not failures. It's a bad season, a bad team, something happened. A lot of these coaches have a really good track record. A good friend of mine, John Morton, Johnny Morton, was the offensive coordinator for USC with Pete Carroll. He was here with John Gruden and Greg Olson. He was with Jim Harbaugh with the 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl. He was with the Jets. He was just with Detroit. He was up in the. He was in Detroit with that offense. You see what that offense did? Some coaches they go from one place to another, and they have such a long career—20, 25 years. Every couple of years, it doesn't work. They land with another team, and they do some great things. A lot of people are wondering what's going to happen on Lamar Jackson now. Uh, that's a big deal if he'll play or not, and what's going to happen. This is huge. The Chargers are adding some firepower. Uh, They've activated the 21-day practice window for Rashawn Slater, who could be available deeper in the playoffs. That's a good player that they need. They need that in a big way, and some players are trying to come back and to see what's happening. Former Giants GM Jerry Reese has interviewed with a few teams in recent years and is talking to the Cardinals today, potentially there to work for Mike Bidwell as a GM candidate. And then the big signing of the day, which is a huge one, all-pro linebacker Roquan Smith. Is now the highest-paid linebacker at his position in the NFL. Five-year, $100 million deal. $45 million fully guaranteed and $60 million in total guarantees. That's huge. That's a big deal. That was someone I was hoping that the Raiders would take a look at and would have an opportunity to look out here, and he is locked up. Roquan Smith, long-term deal with the Ravens, who are a playoff team. And then we're going to see what's going to happen with Sean McVay. All indications are he's gone from the Rams for broadcasting because he's going to get a hell of a deal. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Howard Balzer, who joined us, uh, Jeff Sherman, and Miles Simmons. Now we have the weather. The weather is going to be an issue. Get home safe if you're on the road. We have Raiders Roundtable in the can for Friday. Q will tell you about that. Countdown to the Super Bowl has begun. Excited for that, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You can check me out tonight, 6 to 9 p.m. on Sirius XM 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Be safe on the roads, everybody. Have a great day, and thanks for joining us. Q on deck. This is the flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders. Good to go. All right, thank you.